Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 3, 15. We'll read a couple of scriptures. We won't read all of them, but we'll read a couple that we read this morning. 1 Timothy 3, 15. Hallelujah. Verse 15 says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And then turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, that would apply to most of us. Just a joke. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Everybody say house. house. <clears throat> For this one has been counted, talking of Jesus, this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. And that's the day in which we're living. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. We are the house of God. Amen. Now, uh, several, several weeks or months, I guess months ago, maybe, maybe over a year ago now, I had a conversation with, with Brother Steve Morgan about our, our worship. And uh, because we pick up things, if we're not careful, we just pick up things other people say. And, and so we had this conversation and, and, and I had him to change the way he was saying certain things. He talked a lot about, uh, Lord, we worship you in this house. And it was all about this house. We're in this house. And I pointed out to him that even though it's biblically true that we are the house of God. That there is a cultural world that we live in, in the natural. And among entertainers, if it's whether it's a, a concert, secular concert, or a nightclub, or whatever it is, a number of years ago, this is not, any, not anything new, but quite a few years ago, it became popular to say, you know, so-and-so's in the house. You know, they do all of this. Aren't, aren't you glad I never got into this? I could, I could have done that. But I'd have looked like a fool. (laughs) 
We pick up things from our culture if we're not careful. And like I said, I remember when it was popular to say somebody is in the house. Or some, remember Elvis has left the house or somebody was in the house and, and in the world, that is just something we hear. Okay. Well, when worship leaders talk about Lord, you know, we're, we're in the house and do something in the house. Now he never did that. Steve didn't, but we, we easily listen to what our cultural ears and societal, societal ears are saying. And, e- and so we had this conversation. And Brother Steve said, yeah, but we're, we're the house. I'm talking about the house. I said, yeah, but that's not the way most people are hearing it. We know the truth, but we hear it because we hear it all the time. And I guarantee you, without a doubt, that most churches that... The worship leaders are always talking about, you know, let's, let's, let's worship God in the house today. You know, the people are thinking in this house, just like whether it was a concert hall or wherever it would be. And, and so sometimes it's good to slip away and use a different scriptural term so that we don't unthinkingly and without, and without consciousness think the wrong thing, even though it's a biblical expression. That makes sense? So... So Brother Stephen, Steve, he, he, he now he says, we worship you in this place. And a lot of worship leaders do that too. I've heard that, oh, I hear it all the time, in this place. I'm thinking, where else would we worship you but then that this is where we are? But anyway, I digress. We are the house of God. And it's not talking about the four walls. It's not talking about brick and mortar steel and plaster. Corporately, as the church, we are God's house. And he's pleased to live in this house. Amen. Glory to God. And he has a purpose in it. Amen. We talked about this morning that we are the house of God. We are the temple of God. And yet we are progressively becoming more and more uh, yielded to that imagery. We are becoming more and more yielded to that reality would be a better way to say that. Because we're learning to more and more yield to the spirit. Well, praise the Lord. You know, if, am I going to have to point to sections like I used to have to do? Your old, you new timers don't remember that. Many years ago, I got to where, listen, if nobody's going to say amen, I'm going to point to this section and this section and everybody here say amen. Or I'll point to that section, everybody over there say amen. So don't make me do that. (laughs) Hallelujah. And, 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 well, praise the Lord. I've I've meddled enough. (laughs) Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll get into what I want to talk about tonight. First Peter chapter two. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad you can come to church and have fun? Amen. Enjoy yourself in, Lord, in the Lord's presence. You know, the Lord's not just a, uh, he's not just some, he's not someone that you can't be comfortable with. We can be comfortable in the presence of the Lord. And you know, he knows us. And he chooses to dwell in us. 
so we can just be ourselves too. Our scriptural selves, I should say. Amen. Hallelujah. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, we, we read earlier about Jesus, that, that, that he is the cornerstone, and I think it was in Ephesians chapter 2 and, and uh, referred to over, as well over in, in 1 Corinthians 3. Jesus is the, the, uh, the cornerstone, and, and the church is built on the, on the foundation of the prophets, apostles and prophets, Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Now, that, that doesn't mean that the apostles and prophets of the New Testament were the foundation. It was built upon the foundations that the original apostles and prophets laid, and that foundation was Christ. They did that in their, in their teaching and, and, how, and the revelation that they brought. So here, we also, Jesus is the chief cornerstone of this house, and we are this house that he is the cornerstone of. We are this house. And he said, we're living stones being, that means a process, we're being built up a spiritual house, not a natural house. And, and, and that's why we should, we should do whatever we need to do. And that's why I had that talk with Steve. We need to do whatever we need to do to make sure we don't let worldly thinking creep in to scriptural phrases. Amen. We are being built up a spiritual house. Now, when, when Peter wrote this, he wrote this primarily, it, pro, it applies to all Christians, but his target audience were the Jews, Jewish believers. Those who were Jews who had, who had been born again and come, become, thank you, Steve, for showing up. We've been talking about you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jewish believers had become Christians now. Now they, they weren't Jews anymore. They were any longer. They were now the church. They were part of the church. Amen. So when he, he's talking about being built up a spiritual house, they immediately thought about the temple. Remember, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, the day is coming when not, we know the, the, the disciples pointed Jesus to the temple. Look how magnificent it is, the temple of Herod, you know. And Jesus said, the time is coming, fellas. When not one stone will be left upon another, they will all be knocked down flat. Remember Jesus saying that? Well, when, when, when Peter said that we are built up a spiritual house and that we are living stones, that's what they thought of. They thought about the house of the Lord, the temple of God. Only the spiritual temple isn't made up with natural stones. It's made up with spiritual stones. And guess what? That'd be us. We're those stones. Do you ever think of yourself as being a, a, a particular component of this house? We should. Amen. But, but we're living. We ought to be living. I think, does the older King James say lively? lively. Li we ought to be not just living, but lively. <laughs> lively stones. Have some life. Amen. Amen. Yeah. We are living stones. 
God, in, in like I said this morning, I would never have, have uh, endorsed this plan <laughs> because I, I know how weak and, and, and insufficient we are sometimes in our natural ability. But God had this plan. God's plan was to build a spiritual house and to use people like you and me. In all of our humanity, in all of our tendencies to, to miss the mark from time to time, hopefully a little less frequently these times than previous times, but we still, uh, we, we have this, this treasure in earthen vessels, Paul said, that the excellency of the power may not be of ourselves, but of God. So, so he's saying, if, if God accomplishes anything, we, we have to give glory to God. If we're able to, uh, uh, to be yielded to him, if we're able to respond to him, if we're able to uh, uh, exhibit any sense of God's grace or at all, it's all Jesus. It's all God. Amen? Hallelujah. So we are spiritual stones. Each one of us are, are uh, we're the, we are the rock and the mortar. The brick and mortar of this house is the church. Now, you don't build a house with just a bunch of stones. In other words, you don't just stack stones on top of each other. Lay a row of, stone, a row of stones and put another row of stones and put another row of stones. Anybody know what will happen to that? Fall down. No, it has to be anchored, first of all, on something. Well, Jesus is the foundation. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the, he is the foundation of this building. But at the same time, stones have to be anchored to that foundation, but they also have to be anchored to one another. In, in our natural world, we call that cement. <laughs> it's an adhesive that we put beneath a stone and beside a stone and on top of a stone so that the other stones will adhere and, and there will be a, a, cohesive wall built, a structure. Well, go with me over to Philippians, Philippians 4, 16, hallelujah, verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, <laughs> uh, thank you, Lord, from whom the whole body, yeah, Ephesians. Did, what did I say? Well, when I read it, you should have known. <laughs> if you know your Bible. <laughs> Just testing you. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4, 16, from whom the whole body, verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now here, here the imagery is not just of the stones, but of the joints. 
And that applies to each one of us also. See, we are living stones and that supply that you and I each bring to this body, that is the adherence, the adhesive that we use to keep the body together. We all come to the church with a supply to bring. Amen. And that, that's why it, it's, pastors don't just get up and, and exhort people, you know, everybody has a part. You all have a, uh, uh, your part. You all have to, to do your part. You all have to make your contract. Everybody, it's not, a, it's not a pep rally. You know, you're all important. Everybody, there's not anybody that's not important. You're all important. That's not, a, that's, that's not just said as a pep rally. It's not to make people feel good or to feel like they belong or to feel like they're necessary. It's actually the truth. We are all the living stones of this house and we, are, and we bring the supply that the Spirit gives us and that, that is the, the thing that joins us together. Oh, glory. That's why uh, the New Testament talks so much about the church being in one accord. That's why. Because when we're not in one accord, the supply isn't what it should be. Because discord disrupts that supply. It hinders that supply. And, and it hinders the, the strength of the church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's continue reading in First Peter. Hallelujah. Chapter two. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Hallelujah. Do do you ever think about the fact that we are all a holy priesthood? If 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 we could just settle on that one concept, that one truth, and it would affect, if we, if, we, if we let it get inside of us and become real to us, it would affect how we come to church. We don't come just to receive something. We come to offer something. That's what the priests did. They offered up spiritual sacrifices. In the Old Testament, they offered up the, the natural sacrifices, I should say. In the New Testament, we offer up spiritual sacrifices. But it's, but it's a holy work. A holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. We're all part, all part of that holy priesthood. It matters what preparation we make in our heart when we come to church. Now, now earlier, you know, sometimes you say things when you're preaching. All preachers know this. You say things and then sometimes you think, well, I could express that a little bit different. Maybe a little bit better. This morning when I was talking about when we come together, we ought to be mindful of spiritual things. I, I, I wasn't inferring that we, that we shouldn't just you know, be relaxed and say hello and, you know, how you doing, you know, things that we're not, that, that's, that's not the point, but it shouldn't just be that. It, we can have that, but it needs to be more than that would be a better way to say it. Because we need to recognize that we are, it, we're all part of a holy priesthood. Amen. And, and that's serious business. And, and what a privilege. The Bible says no man takes this honor to himself. To be called a priest. No man takes this on. It's an honor to be a priest. 
It's an honor. The old covenant, the priestly uh, tribe, uh, Aaron's descendants, and the tribe of Levi, it was an honor. They didn't have, the, the Levites did not have any inheritance of their own. The other tribes all inherited a part of, of, of the land of, of, of Israel. The Levites were left out of that. Instead, they were given a part in everybody's inheritance. They were given a section in, in Judah's and Benjamin's and wherever they needed it. They were, it was an honor to be a priest. Well, it's an honor because, and it's not an honor we bring upon ourselves. We didn't think it up. We didn't think of it. We didn't confer this upon us. This honor was conferred by the Lord. Hallelujah. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. We don't offer up the blood of goats and lambs and pigeons and doves. We offer up spiritual sacrifices. Now we know what they are, don't we? Hebrews, we've already referred to it tonight, I think. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. You know, God's interested in what we say. We, we, could, we could stop for just a moment and think back at all we know as word of faith people about the importance of words. But, but we won't take time to go down that that trail, but we could just for a moment, we could say, how important, God created the world with words. He's given us the ability that no other created being on this planet has, and that is the ability to, to speak language, to, to speak words. Words are powerful. We offer up the fruit of our lips. Our words need to be fruitful. They need to be words that bear good fruit. Fruit that, that honors God. Amen. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto him. Hallelujah. Well, it says here that we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Acceptable to God. Well, how do they become acceptable? Well, first of all, it tells us right here, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I think Brother Steve was talking about that, that earlier. By him, let us offer. Well, that, what that first of all means that all of our praise and all that we offer to the Lord is only acceptable because of him. It's not acceptable because of us. It's not of our merits, not because we deserve anything, that we're qualified for anything, that we mean anything, that we amount to anything. Without him, we are nothing. So our sacrifices are acceptable to God, first of all, because they come through Christ Jesus. That's what, that's the number one thing that makes them acceptable. My, my effort doesn't make them acceptable. My, my holy living doesn't make them acceptable. My good deeds don't make them acceptable. Jesus is the one that opened the door. Glory to, us for, glory to God for us to come in to the presence of God, to come into this place, to be seated at the Father's right hand. It was all through the veil of his flesh on the cross that we come in, praise God. They're acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. That's the first thing. And then secondly, they become acceptable through Christ Jesus when they're offered in one accord. Amen. 
one accord. In 2 Chronicles, go over there and look with me, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, this of course is the account of the dedication of Solomon's temple. Hallelujah. The 11th verse, 2 Chronicles 5.11, talks about how the priest came out of the holy place. Talked about the, uh, the Levites the, and the different uh, sons uh, and brethren who came with, with uh, instruments of music and they were singers and they were praising the Lord. And these were all priests, 120 priests sounding with trumpets. And on the day of Pentecost, glory to God, 120 priests, hallelujah, begin to offer up spiritual sacrifices to the Lord, acceptable to God through Christ Jesus, number one, and secondly, through their unity. It says here, indeed, as it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and, and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, I said that the house, whose house we are, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that priests could not stand on their feet to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And then over in, in Acts chapter 2, 120 priests were present. Amen. Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. And then the day of Pentecost were come, was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. You go back and study it. There's, a, there's at least eight times in the book of Acts where it talks about the church being in one accord. And what God did, every time they were in one accord, something powerful happened. Every time they got into one accord, God moved. You can search it out. Go through the book of Acts. Like I said, there's at least eight occurrences where the church or even as, as few as two people. Paul and Silas, they got in one accord. Glory to God. In that jail, you don't have to be in church to be in one accord. In fact, they, they were in church. Amen. Just the two of them. Glory to God. And they were in one accord. They were singing praises. Praying and singing praises. And what happened? God moved. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2. This time it really is Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 1 says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy. He's saying that all of these things, consolation in Christ, that was to him. Any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy. If there's any of this, here's how it happens. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, I wrote this statement a number of years ago, and uh, I'm going to read it to you. 
Being in unity or in one accord in the local church is more than simply not being in strife or not being offended. I'll say that again. Being in unity or in one accord in the local church is more than simply not being in strife or not being offended. Unity is not defined by the absence of certain negative or divisive things. That's not what constitutes unity. Now, those things are problems, but that's the, the absence of those things doesn't guarantee unity. The condition of being in one accord is not passive. It is much more deliberate and proactive. Being in one accord in the spirit is characterized by the presence of certain unifying graces. What are they? Humility before God. Worship in the spirit. Hunger for God's presence. Receptiveness to what God is saying. Yieldedness to the spirit. And even submission to one another. All of these I I define and, and characterize as unifying graces. Unity is built upon a shared pursuit of the presence of God and of the will of God. Unity is built upon a shared pursuit of the presence of God and the will of God. Now I add that because it's not, it's, we're, not, we're not pursuing God's presence so that we can be entertained or uh, you know, receive some gratification unto ourselves. Even though the presence of God is very gratifying. It doesn't entertain us, but it is gratifying. It, it does minister to us. But that's not the purpose, ultimately, of God's presence. We, we, unity is built upon a shared pursuit of the presence of God and of the will of God. So we, we get to the place where we want God's will and, and we're willing to yield to God's will. And, and like I said, one of, these, one of these unifying graces is humility before God. And, and even submitting to one another in love. Hallelujah. Being in, in one accord is not about agreeing on everything. Because that ain't never going to happen. Because we all have our own individual brains. And thoughts. Some of them are on loan. But we all have them. (laughs) Being in one accord is not about agreeing on everything. Rather, it's about no longer being concerned about what we don't agree on. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to entertain false doctrine. Because that wouldn't be glorifying to God. That's That's not submitting to God in humility. But some things aren't as important as other things. And we all have our own personal feelings about natural things. Somebody likes the praise service to go 30 minutes. Some would wish it would stop at 20 minutes. It's no longer being concerned. And you can, Pastor, I mean, Brother Steve, he can, he can detect those people. They start falling out after 20 minutes. We lose a few more after 30 minutes. It's, no, it's, it's not about 
It's about no longer being concerned about what we don't agree on. But instead, because of these unifying graces, choosing to focus on the things that are important. Choosing to focus on the will of God. I think, I think when we're taught right, when we have a, a strong commitment to the word, our agreement on the will of God will be pretty much unified because we all know what the word says. And, and so we're not pursuing anything that's not the will of God. So the presence of God and his will, I, I want to I make sure those two things are coupled together. The presence of God and his will. We, we want his presence among us, but we want his will to be done. And see, his presence, when it's in manifestation, uh, when, we're, when we're completely yielded to him in one, accord, in one accord, he's able to work his will out in us. And I, I'm guessing that I know about you like I do about myself. It's not always easy on the flesh to, to agree with or submit to God's will in everything. Sometimes it takes me a little bit of persuasion. Sometimes it takes God being patient, and he's always patient because he is. But he's, thank God, aren't you glad he's willing to work with you and be patient with you? But he never gives up on his will. He never, he never says, well, okay, you just do what you want to. You knucklehead, I'll just bless you. You know, you look good and I'll just bless you. <laughs> he, he, he always is going to be working on us to 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 conform to his will in our lives. Aren't you glad? Amen. Like it's, it's, it's a stretch sometimes. And uh, it, it takes putting the flesh under. But his presence among us helps us. His presence makes his will more palatable. His presence makes his will more understandable. When we're in his presence, we see things from his perspective that we don't see when we're not in his presence. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm not going to keep you very long tonight. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 says, and I'm, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible again. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, or you could say the whole church at Impact. You are God's temple collectively. His sanctuary. We are the sanctuary of God. Sanctuary is not a building other than we're the building. It's not a physical building. We are his sanctuary. And he said, do you not discern that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in us? Well, we know that's true because we are the temple of God and, and, and he dwells in us. But then he goes on to say, to be at home in you. It's one thing to be here. It's another thing for the Holy Spirit to be at home. He wants to be at home in us. And uh, we all know what it's like when we're at home, when we're staying with someone. We know what it feels like. It starts, first of all, with the sense that our host really wants us to be there. And there's a certain amount of openness and receptiveness to us being there. That's the first thing that makes us feel at home. 
You never feel at home if, if you have the sense that your host really wished you'd gotten the hotel. <laughs> Not right? But when, but when a friend or a loved one greets you and, and they're genuinely glad that you're, oh, no, no, you know, I want you to stay with me. I want you to stay in my house. It, it, it warms you up because you feel like you've, even though you're away from home, you have a, feel like you, you have a feeling like you've come home. So first of all, it's, it's a sense that your host really wants you to be there and, and your, host are, your hosts are open to you and receptive to you. And that's what the Holy Spirit needs to, to encounter when he's among us. Now we know he's in us collectively as a church. We know that he dwells in us collectively. We can't shake that off. We could, we could have a, a, just a raucous knockdown fight at church. I've been in a few services in my lifetime. I remember a few years ago, back in the 80s, there was a local congregation here in town. They had a, they had a church meeting and they had to call the paramedics to some, they got so heated in their argument, somebody had a heart attack. And they had to call the paramedics to carry them out because it, the people got so worked up. <laughs> but you know what? Even when that was going on, the Holy Spirit was in them. He didn't leave. He didn't say, I'm out of here. <laughs> Collectively as a church, they were the temple of God. They still are today. They got over it. Praise the Lord. But God's spirit still dwelt in them, but he sure wasn't at home. Amen. What happens when you really feel at home, when you go to visit somebody, you really feel at home, what, what, what happens? You begin to be yourself. You, you take your shoes off. I mean, if, if you really feel at home, you're going to take your shoes off. I mean, unless it's a, you know, some kind of a you know, formal party or something. But if you're just going to see, see somebody in their home, they've likely got their shoes off. Are you going to take your shoes off? Now, if I'm in somebody's house and I'm not sure, I, 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 uh, unless they, you know, have all the shoes by the door, then I know I'm supposed to. But I'm not going to walk into somebody's house if I'm a little unsure of what the reception is and, and plop my feet up on the coffee table with holes in the bottom of my socks. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask if I can go use the restroom. I'm not just going to march into somebody's bathroom. But you see, when I'm, when, I'm in, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm at Pastor Greg's house, I don't ask him, can I use your restroom? <laughs> I just get up and go to the bathroom. And, and I sit up, I sit on the sofa and, and if I want to, I'll curl my, my feet up under me. If I, I don't really like that much, but if I did, I'd do it. I put the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the recliner out, you know, the footrest out, put it out, lean back. And I just, I just enjoy myself because I know I'm at home there. Well, you don't do those kind of things if you don't sense that people really have that kind of, of a welcome laid out. Well, the Holy Spirit's the same way. 
He wants to, he, he, his purpose is to not only dwell indwell us, but to be at home in us. That means he's going to be himself when he's among us. Amen. And that means that, he'll, that he's free to manifest himself any way he wants to. If he wants to move a particular way, he just can. If the service wants to, if he wants the service to go a particular direction and we're yielded to the spirit, we won't put the brakes on. Putting the brakes on does not make the Holy Spirit feel welcome. Amen. And I've learned this, and, and you know this true. If the Holy Spirit, uh, if he's not welcome, if there's not, if, and he knows, if what he wants to do is not uh, something that we're comfortable with, he won't be himself. He won't. And we're the poorer because of it when that happens. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to be here this coming Sunday. Pastor Angela and I are going to be up in Dayton, Tennessee. You know where the monkey trial was? That was in Dayton, Trent, Tennessee. The, uh, yeah, what's it called? Scopes trial. Yeah, we call it the monkey trial. You know, the humans were descended from, from monkeys. And that big trial that about evolution, you know, took place there. Well, this pastor, he's, he's a good pastor, friends of ours, we've known him for several years. He's invited uh, me to come minister in his congregation next Sunday, so I'm not going to be here. So I, I want to get to this before I go. Do you got, give me five minutes? Yes. Amen. That's several of you gave me five minutes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and again, this, I know I'm going over things that, that we know. But at the same time, uh, it's important. The Holy Spirit is in us, but he wants to fill us. And this is the point that I was making in that meeting in 1995 in Brother Hagen's meeting. And uh, this is the thing that, that Rich King went to Brother Hagen about. Now, I only preached for 20 minutes, so, I, but, so I, I got to this real quick because this was on my heart. I just kind of glossed over some of the preliminary stuff and got right to this point and because I, it was just on my heart. And uh, Brother Rich King, he went to Brother Hagen after the service and he said, now, Brother Hagen, he says, is what Pastor Anderson said tonight, is that true? Because he'd never heard it. And, uh, and I hadn't either, but I, 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 the thing that got me thinking along this way, along this line about the church being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that, that I had heard Brother Hagen say he made like one or two sentences. He spoke one or two sentences in a tape, and I'll, and I'll tell you what that, what that was in a few minutes. But let me, let me say this. There's a twofold work of the Spirit in the individual believer's life, being indwelt by the Spirit and being filled by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. So my statement is, if the, and, and was, if the individual believer, as the temple of God, is indwelt by the Spirit but then is to go further and be filled with the Spirit, then God intends that the collective temple of God, the church, presently indwelt by the Spirit, to go further and be filled with the Spirit. And, uh, and I said this, if with every other expression of the temple of God, now what do I mean by that? 
The tabernacle was an expression of the temple of God. That was the first expression of it. Moses' tabernacle. The second one was Solomon's temple. The third one is Christ. Christ is actually the, the antitype that the others are modeled off of. Moses' tabernacle, Solomon's temple, were types of Christ. The church is a type of Christ. Everything goes back to Christ. He's the antitype. These, but, but even Christ, in his temple, his physical temple, the same thing was true. If with every expression of the temple of God, Moses' tabernacle, Solomon's temple, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the believer, if every temple went from being indwelt by the Spirit to being filled with the Spirit. Moses' tabernacle went from being indwelt by the Spirit. You know, the, the, Moses' tabernacle and, Mo, and, and, and Solomon's temple, the, the Holy Spirit was in there. The presence of God was in the Holy of Holies, so much so that the priest didn't go in there with any disobedience or, or anything out of order in his life because you could lose your life because why? the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God was in there. But the cloud didn't come and fill the temple so that the people couldn't even, the priests couldn't go in when that glory was there. They could go in at other times. So that tabernacle and the temple of Solomon's time had God's presence in it but then it went further when God moved because of the yieldedness and, and of the obedience of the people and the hunger of the people. He, was, he saw fit to fill that temple. Same thing is true of Lord Jesus. He was born of the Spirit. His, his, the, the angel came to Mary and said, that holy thing that's going to be born of you is the Son of God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Well, Jesus had the, had the Spirit in him. How else did he know when he was 12 years, years old? How did he know the things that he knew? Like I said before, I don't believe his mama told him. I don't believe, I don't believe his mama said now one day, now Jesus came around, I want to tell you something. Uh, you're God. <laughs> You're the son of God. I know it's weird, but you now go on out and play. Be good. Well, I know you're going to be good because you're God, you know. <laughs> no, he learned that because he was indwelt by the Spirit. The, the, the Holy Spirit opened the Scriptures to him. That's why we, they found him in the temple, not only asking questions, but giving answers that the, that the, that the temple hierarchy couldn't answer. Right. He did that because he was indwelt by the Spirit. But that wasn't enough for him. He had to then go to Jordan's River where he went down and was baptized in water. And when he came up, he was filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And it says in Luke that having returned in the power of the Spirit. Well, if the tabernacle and the temple and the Lord Jesus and the individual believer, you and me, if we are indwelt by the Spirit and it's God's plan that we go further and be filled with the Spirit, then wouldn't that, that be true of the corporate temple? It, it would be reasonable to expect that, that the, that the church as the temple of God can be and should be filled with the Holy Spirit, especially the local church. Amen. And so that's, that's you know, that's what I was sharing that night. And, and so Brother Rich, he went to Brother Hagan and said, now, 
never heard anything like that before. Is that, is that true? Brother Hagin, he told me, because I wasn't there, he told me, Brother Hagin said, yep, yep, that's right. Brother Anderson, what he said, that's the truth. It's, it's, it's biblical. See, I'd heard, the only thing I'd heard, I'd heard on a, on a, a message, I heard a message, listened to a recording. Uh, prior to that time, all, all the recordings were on cassette tape. And I had heard Brother Hagin talk about a night where he was someplace. And I, I don't remember now if it was his own service or he was in somebody else's service and witnessed this. But he said that, that certain things happened in the spirit and a, and a young girl got up and began to, and I, like I said, it's been a, that was in 1995, and, and so I don't remember the details of this, but this girl got up and somehow she yielded to the Spirit. She either got up and preached, you know, just began to testify, and it was, a, and it, from what I remember, it was a big gathering, like a big convention. And this little girl got up and began to move in the Holy Ghost, and he said that God's glory swept in that place, and he made this statement. He said, and the church there had become filled with the Spirit. And when I heard that, that's the thing that got me thinking along this line. I'd never heard it about it. Never heard it spoken of before. God, God can do things when the church moves into a place. And, it, and it's by God's grace. We can't make something happen. Well, all we can do is create an atmosphere. And when we create an atmosphere, he always satisfies our heart. He always visits us. His presence is always in manifestation when we give him an opportunity. But what I'm saying is there's, there's a place in God. There's a place in the Spirit where the Spirit of God can move in in such a way that the whole church just gets filled with the Spirit. And when that happens, things happen that you don't even expect to happen. I, Pastor Greg and, and, and Pastor Amy told me about the, the youth uh, retreat last week. That in one of the, I think it was a Saturday night service, the last service, the, the youth were just, and the singles, they were just praising God. And the glory of God came in there. She said, without even uh, anybody thinking about it, people just started getting healed. Boom, boom, boom. Just healing started. Nobody laying hands on them. They just started getting healed. That's the church coming in one accord and being filled with the Spirit. That's what that is. Oh, glory to God. And, and, and guess what? It can happen to adults. The only difference is godly teenagers do what they're told. When they go to camp, they know if they don't do what they're told, they're going to be sent home. And because they're godly teenagers, they're not like the world's teenagers. They're very compliant and they go along and they, and if they're told to stand here, they stand here. If they're told to raise their hand, they raise their hands. They just do what they're told. I've long, long, long known that you, it's easier to have a move of God among the youth than it is among the adults. Make up your own reasoning. It ain't good though. <laughs> Amen. There's a place where we can by yieldedness and by these... Uh, Unifying graces I talked about, humility before God, hunger, submission to the heart of God. We can come into a place more often. I'm not saying that we can, you know, script something and make something happen, but we can more often come into a place in this church where the, where the glory of God 
just and when that happens you, you people begin to respond almost without thinking about it they begin to, to yield to the spirit flow of the spirit, almost without even thinking and even sometimes without thinking about it it's telling me about the time I was in that meeting in the 80s and Brother Hagin's meeting and the glory of God was there and, and, and I just, the only thing I did was make a slight yielding to a sense to jump. And I jumped like, you know, how long does that take? Like a half, a fourth of a second off the ground. I mean, I just, you know, might have been a little higher. I was a little younger, you know, but not much. And I did that a couple of times and all of a sudden I was just in the glory of God. And I didn't, I didn't think I'm about to dance in the spirit. I think I'll dance. No, that, I didn't even have that thought. I just, next thing I knew, I was dancing in the Holy Ghost. Well, that, that, that comes about by being completely yielded. And, and there's, there's always a step that we take. There's always an initial action to yield to God's prompting. But we can come to a place, church, we're, we're as, not just as an individual, but as a, as a body, people begin to yield to the Spirit. And I tell you what, the Holy Ghost will take us on. He will absolutely take us on and do things among us, glory to God, that are beyond anything we would even think to do. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Great things are on, its, on their way. Amen. Great things are here. I mean, we're seeing great things. There's nothing wrong with what's going on. I'm happy. I'm a happy, happy, happy pastor. Great things are going on. But I'm telling you, oh, we ain't seen nothing yet. We ain't seen nothing yet. We ain't seen nothing yet. Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we love you. We love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Father. We're so grateful that you've redeemed us. So grateful that you've purchased us. Redeemed us from darkness. Redeemed us, brought us out of the hand of the enemy. Out of his dark and awful kingdom of bondage. And brought us into the glorious liberty of the sons of God brought us into into the kingdom of your dear son father with all of the grace and all of the glory and all of the privilege that's in this kingdom we are willing servants willing servants in this kingdom and we have a king eternal We're so grateful that we've come out of that old kingdom and into this new kingdom. Oh, Father, we're so willing, so willing for the will of the king, the will of the kingdom to be done among us, Father. We're so not just willing, but but hungry for Jesus to be glorified. For your word, Father, to be glorified. For you to be glorified. Your spirit can move any way he wants to among us. Do what he wants to do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.